What up, y'all? I'm Candice Otis, and you are listening to Hungry and Humble Podcast, a podcast that explores the current lives and different journeys of women in the hospitality industry. Thanks for coming out. This week, we chat and catch up with Nikki Fairman, a self-retired pastry chef turned bartender and front of the house extraordinaire. We talk about her nomadic travels, her story from baking to bartending, and the many reasons why she loves to be around food and people. Let's get started. Yay! Hi, friend. Oh, God, it's so good to see you. It's so good to see you, too. You're just and here uh, we are, just to talking and living, just to living and talking, uh, you know? Uh, I'm Listen, elated this- right now. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> I am like... Well, honey, because it's been a hot minute. Like, we haven't, I can't, I think maybe since I've moved, we haven't really, like, had a conversation, I should say. No, we have not touched base. I mean, you would think something crazy happened on this, on this <laughs> earth or something. <laughs> but there's no time like the present. So I am so happy. Okay, okay. But before we dive in, I wanted to acknowledge that it's basically kismet that Hamilton premiered this weekend (laughs) I mean can we talk about this please oh that's gonna be my special treat tonight I I haven't I've been holding on because Hayden gets it but he doesn't live in a musical world the same way that we do he does love it but not in the same way and sissy needs to eat an edible and hold both of my cats and be in a silk robe and really really Embrace. settle in that's, I mean that's my Monday night plan I'm feeling I, I choose my choice you go Glen Coco okay four for you Glen Coco because honestly I've seen it three times and it's only been out for like 72 hours um so I respect that Support and I cry that. every fucking time and I think I'm not gonna cry but it, it just happens it just um pours out of me and I hate it but it's also one of the m- most just God damn! It's, it's it's we it was like our one shining light in this shit fucking. Well, Lin Manuel was literally like, "This is a desperate shit storm. Why don't I just bless the earth real quick?" And then all of us were like, "It's been the only light. It's yeah. been the only light. Other than other than that, and Britney Spears's Instagram. But we'll get to that. I'm feeling very open today. God, but." I love you. I love you too so much. This is such a fun time. I'm so thankful. Um, I'm Nikki Fairman. I am from Lexington, North Carolina, born in Long Beach, California. Um, I am 36 years young. I live in Charleston, South Carolina, and I am a recovering pastry chef turned bartender. I love it. Thanks for coming out. I did not know that you were born in Long Beach. California girl. Little Girl, no, my five, dad, six, two. Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, oh, yeah. No, n- uh, Navy family. Dad's in the Navy. And he used to teach at USC. He was teaching like some like ROTC military moment there. And then that's where I was born. My mom drank a lot of carrot juice, I heard, back in the 80s. It was a hot ticket. But, and, and my uncle and aunt still live in Long Beach. So as soon as I'm able to travel, I'm coming for you. We're going to find each other. If I'm in California, it doesn't matter what part I am coming to you. Yes. <laughs> a Running into times. your arms. Yes. <laughs> yes. Reunited I and it and feels, feels so good. It's so <laughs> <laughs> better get used to it because that is what we do anytime we are in the same vicinity of each other. And this, we're just, 
you know, here to bless you with the musical stylings of our yeah. sister. Yeah. Oh. um so you moved around a lot when you were a kid because your dad was um military yes yeah so moved around a lot but then you know they divorced when I was young but I still traveled to see him everywhere um so I would say I would be like a like a solid third military brat when did you get to North Carolina North Carolina so I my I was in California for like when I was just a wee, a wee little babe. Um, and then I think my dad was stationed back in Virginia. My parents divorced and um, my mom moved us to North Carolina Got to it. a, a, a tea time little baby town. And so that was our home base. But then I was lucky enough to constantly go visit my dad when he was stationed in Hawaii or Belgium and mostly DC. Um, he just retired. God love him. Mazel. He was crying. He was trying, working in the Pentagon, just trying to make the world a better place. It's really oh. hard these days. But, um, but yeah, so California girl thrust into the South. Thrust into the South. And then thrust. you never left. <laughs> and then I never left. Oh, I tried. Actually, that's not true. I kept leaving, but then I kept coming back because Charleston really stole my heart when I moved to Charleston to go to Johnston Wells to do pastry. <laughs> that is where we connected, yo, small world. Um, shout Johnny out to- Wawa. <laughs> yo, shout out to um, Jeffrey Alexander, um, who is hopefully listening. Maybe he'll listen because I said his name in this podcast. <laughs> Jeffrey Alexander, listen to us. Yes, Chef Jeff, what's up? Um, happening? I had him as my uh, pastry arts uh, instructor at Johnson & Wales, my time there. And then we started talking because I started talking telling him that I wanted to explore um, the South because I wanted to learn more about the food. And that's how I ended up in Charleston. And then I mentioned Charleston. And then I don't know how, I don't know how, but your name came up, which was crazy. I'm loud. And I have a lot of, (laughs) of a lot of curly hair. And I was a very, and just imagine this at 17 and a half going on 18 because let's not forget I graduated high school early so that I could go to culinary school and leave my shit kicked down to move to the big metropolis of Charleston. Oh! Ooh. <laughs> There's beaches and oh. freedom and boys. And boys. Um, I did in chef coats. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um, I know, but and he was one of my favorite teachers. He taught breads so we we did i did all of my breads with him and he was so he was like putting on nelly on the radio it was a really hot track back then in 2000 it still is it still is you are correct um but i loved him (laughs) so inspired and i i always tell my husband that was one of the most enchanted times of my life because i for the first time was like in the city that i loved I was close to the ocean. I was waking up every morning, putting on my version of pajamas, which are chef pants and going and like blowing sugar bubbles and baking bread and living on my own and was just like, this is, this is what it is. So Charleston will always have that like skippy freedom, joy, coming of age, if you will, Um, love in my heart. We share that um, because... I, a little backstory on me, I was a nerd, um, <laughs> uh, still Loving am, that. very proud of it, um, not just because nerd I couldn't see, pride. but because I love to, um, <laughs> but because I uh, love to learn about things, and um, 
I mean, I guess I was in like the lowest stance of a nerd, like borderline cool, but I think that whatever. Um, Listen, you and I would have played Magic the Gathering together. You okay, my sister loves place. that shit, girl. <laughs> you want to go to that place? She fucks with Magic, that? yo. Um, that's so funny. <laughs> and Pokemon and all that shit. Like, that shit's... All of it. Her and her, her, and her fiance, it. like, my future brother-in-law is, like, all they do is, like, play... Well, when they could go outside is all they would do is, like, play Pokemon Go and, like, love each other. It was really cute and nerdy. Anyway. I um, love that. <laughs> long story longer. Um, I grew up in a very like you know my mother and my father were very inspiring and they were very hardworking, and they said I could do whatever I wanted and I had already decided what I wanted to do since I was 12 years old which was lucky for me I guess so all I did was study and work hard and go to school and um I mean I had friends don't get me wrong I got homies but for the most part like it was like school and a and a job and like what are my next goals and like what do I need to achieve to like be the best kind of what blank I need to be? Right. So right. I worked my ass off. Then I worked even harder to get like scholarships to go to Johnson and Wales because I couldn't afford it. So I did two years oh, of college. No one can afford it. it. Girl, nobody they can afford it. All of us. <laughs> you, you, ain't wrong. Do you think that someone paid for my school? I didn't even get a scholarship. And then I just decided to pay for it on my own. It took me a really long time. I was like, I was like, how's this going to be 80 grand? And how am I getting paid $20,000 a year being a pastry chef? This, this math is bad. This math is bad. <laughs> this math, y'all tricked me. Yeah. I enjoyed it very much. However, I got my job working as a fry cook at Pugin's porch. And I was like, oh God. <laughs> What do I do? I was like, how much is my, is my rent? How much is my, what, how is this, this a dollar? So I made a 10 pound bag of sushi rice and a flat of black beans. Best diet ever. Girl, we have Starving. all been there, but we didn't use that sushi <laughs> rice, girl. We used that cheap ass jasmine, a long grain. We ain't got that, we ain't got time for sushi rice. Shit. It may not have been sushi rice. Girl, yeah, I, I just remember. Sushi I rice, just, you gotta wash like nine times too. And it must have been jasmine. I was and like, I uh -uh. overlooked it. And I was just like, here's this. And every, they're like, why are you eating everything in the school? And I was like, because I can't afford to be here. I snuck in. I don't know what's happening. I don't even know if I'm registered. Oh, we would have floated away. I'm just going to, I'm just going to steal a diploma at the, in, in the administrator's office and just sign yeah. my name. If anybody goes on <laughs> they got those on lock, right? And they just sneak in on graduation and just be like, hey. And they're like, wait, hey. No one's ever asked to check it. And also, can we talk about the size of our degrees? Oh my, my husband God. has a business degree from Tra College of Charleston, and it's giant. It is a humongous poster sized, like huge degree. And there's a gold thing on it with a little ribbon and about a thousand signatures. And ours is the size of a postcard. And, it's like, and I was like, I paid eighty thousand dollars for, for a, a postcard. postcard. It's so little. I'm so proud of it. It's You're so, so little. <laughs> but, <laughs> go back to what I was saying. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're having. We knew this was gonna happen. Yeah, we having too much fun, y'all. <clears throat> Lock oh. it up. Um, <laughs> impossible. I do not. Impossible. Um, <laughs> what I was saying <laughs> was. Um, it wasn't until I graduated college, because I didn't even have any fun in college either. My 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 roommates will attest to that. We we literally celebrated on the last day that we graduated, or like the last day of like college, and then we like partied mm. because we were too busy. I, I worked forty plus hours a week 
while going to school because I had to work to pay for the school that I was going to. So it's like, it didn't, we, I mean, I, I enjoyed my time there. I, I actually wish that I had more fun in college, which sucks, but you know, whatever. My original point was me and you share that um, bond in the sense of like Charleston was like my first job out of you know, culinary school was my first time living alone. It was my first time living away from my parents. And like, um, it was my first professional gig. Yeah. Well, it's that too. I mean, I'm from LA, so beaches are everywhere and everything. We got everything. Right. But it's different. We got that nice, dirty water. It is so, it, it truly captured my heart. It was actually the perfect place for me to do what I needed to do. I learned so much and I met so many beautiful and wonderful and extraordinary people and chefs and cooks and et cetera. And like, I'm just saying we share that, like, it will always have a special place in my heart. Don't get me wrong. I had some issues every now and then we all do, but at the same time, it was, it was life-changing and I'm actually very, very grateful for my time there. Cause it was also a party right. city. It was actually the most, you know, cause girl, you you, you go over there and let loose a little bit. Sorry, Mama. Um, but no, uh, Mom. No, <laughs> I feel like I may have had something to do with that. Hi, I'm the devil on your shoulder. I'm a bartenderess. Oh my god! And all that, and I just because that was the thing. Because you were like, you dedicated yourself at school, and now, granted, I my my claim to fame is I got fired from every single coffee shop in Charleston because that was my third job. Because I went to Johnson and Wales, and then I was paying for things by working at a restaurant at night. And so I tried to tack on like a 4 a.m. coffee shift where I would go in and open up the coffee shop at 4 a.m. and work for a few hours and then leave at 7. So I would like open it up. But well, I was terrible at it because after I got off my job at Pukin's Porch, because you're invincible when you're 18, you're shotgunning Bud Lights with your you know your people or sneaking into bars which you can do when you come in with a bunch of bratty men and chef pants which is <laughs> what I did yes and Confirmed. um and then sleep for an hour wake up go uh, get fired from all the coffee shops because I did I, fi- I found a way to sneak in the partying um but we still did it we still hustled still graduated but yeah Charleston she's a beauty she's a flawed yes. beauty but she is She's a good time. I mean, uh, she is a good time. I haven't heard anybody say, man, last time I went to Charleston, I had a terrible time. <laughs> yeah, they were like, last time I went to Charleston, it sucked. I was drunk for seven days and it was yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what you do. I wore, you wear four different outfit changes throughout the day because it allows, you can either wear a sundress or jean shorts or a ball gown like yeah. cuz there's no rules. I've seen all of them on King Street. All of them at the same time. And you're like, yes. I wonder what what's going on over there and what's going on over there. <laughs> Y'all are all part of the same party? I love that. I support that. I love yeah. that for you. Yeah. Let I stand. Let's do it. Um. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of you too. Sorry podcast listeners, we just have to adore each other intermittently throughout this interview yeah it's really great well honey just (laughs) love recognizes love and we knew I knew you walked in and I was like we are gonna be friends I know and that's why like um Mm -hmm. to um to go back to 
um, Jeffrey Alexander, he mentioned your name. And the only reason why you were the first, I guess, official, like, quote unquote, person that I knew about. And he said that you worked at Fig. And that was the reason why I looked into Fig, because... I don't think I knew that part. All of the research um, was like Magnolias and um, uh, McCrady's and um, uh, like, you know, like the standard Charleston joints. And an ordinary ordinary, I think had just, I know, I know. Ordinary had just came up. I think it was like a year old when I got there. I'm not sure. I think they're like six now or something, but I hadn't heard about them, which is crazy because it's like, yo, Mike Lotta and Jason Stanhope, like, you know, hey run y'all. a lot of that Good shit. Stars. Yeah. I mean, hello, <laughs> rock stars. And I looked it up and I looked into it and it was exactly the type of food that I wanted to, oh, and husk. I knew about husk. And I actually, right. I, I, I looked at Fig's menu and I thought it was glorious. I loved how simple but elevated it was. Uh, or like, you know, like, sim- you might get mad at me for calling it simple, but, um, but, um, in the most, but it in, is it is simple food in, like, in, in the most beautiful way possible honest so exactly it's honest it's so approachable like um you won't it, it just it's a whole new world and it's um, not precious exactly you know, there's no little brush strokes or dots it's very much like these are the ingredients and then this is a way to make them taste in a beautiful and like cohesive way and it's like that's what it now was all sparkle. about sparkle and that was, yes, and, and, and I didn't know that that was what I was looking for until I saw that menu. And then. Until you met Chef Jason and your heart exploded out of your <laughs> chest because you were like, who are you? And why are you so great? Yo, for real though, because I actually almost didn't get to meet him because he was doing an event that weekend and I was staging on that Monday. Mondays are crazy for us or for y'all, I should say. And second Saturday. Second Saturdays. Hello. Um, and then. I staged and he, I was sitting next to Breezy and Brett. I was in between those fools and, um, BBs. and I was at that very end table. You know what I'm talking about? Like right when you come in through those oh, yeah. doors and chef set me up and he was like, it was very, it's very nice to meet you. I'm going to see you. And then he made me like cut onions for like an hour and a half, uh, which was hilarious. Oh yeah. Um, and then, um, oh, yeah. I had to like prep something else for Valeria I think that he was working on I can't even remember I saw you and I introduced myself and I was like I know Chef Jeff and um and I'm on break you know because this is like um this is just a weekend away because I'm trying to decide I need a job for um when I graduate and I've graduated that like a month later from when I was like going to stage with you guys um and you introduced yourself and you were so kind and you were like oh my god yes I know who Chef Jeff is I was like small world right you're like oh my god and then we like talked and yapped and then I was like oh shit I gotta go <laughs> but hopefully I'll see you soon and then I got the job <laughs> I'm d- I definitely remember screaming I'm sure that I was screaming and very excited and then you came in and then you just shined a beautiful light it you were just always we were always supposed to meet you were always supposed to be there it was such a special special time so i would love to ask uh what is like one of your first or favorite like memories surrounding food like what made you fall in love with food Oh, I fell in love with food very young. My mom uh, was an incredible human being. She was not an incredible cook. 
Um, and, but I, at a very young age was super drawn. It's like to, um, the two magazines that we got that came to our house in backwoods, North Carolina was gourmet and rolling stone. So that sort of sums up my mom in a nutshell. And so she always had all the crazy hippiness, all of the super crunchy, weird food. Um, but I would read through gourmet and I would watch, you know, like old school cooking shows like Graham Care, my girl, Sarah Moulton, early Emerald, um, or, and what was it? Europe's greatest chefs that they always had the, like the fancy classical music. And so I started just cooking really, really young. Um, my grandfather on my dad's side is actually one of the army guys that opened up the Johnston Wells in Charleston. Um, so growing up, I watched when I would go see my dad, I would go hang out with, uh, my grandmother and grandfather who traveled the world and they loved, loved to, and that was with my mom We're cooking or, you know, I mean, sometimes there was food there. Sometimes there wasn't, it was just a really scatterbrained. So I always uh, held in a high esteem, I guess, the elegance of a proper dinner. And so, I mean, I think one of my favorite food memories would be watching them, watching my, you know, my grandfather finish, uh, you know, a, a braised, you know, beef bourguignon, and then my grandmother pouring martinis and then wine, and then they would finish with brandy and coffee and, and everything was always in nice China. And I just didn't have that in my daily life. So I was like, this is magical. Um, and then... I started, I think my, one of the food memories that changed my life though, was hanging out with my dad and my stepmom, Chrissy, who lived in Barcelona for most of her life. And we went to Haleo. I'm talking like when I was 16 and uh, eating that food. And, and also, I mean, Jose, just all day. I love you with my whole spirit. Thank you for blessing the earth. Um, he's just so wonderful, but I was 16 and, and we were eating it and we got the, the, you know, the, the tomato bread and all these beautiful sausages and white beans and ham. And then I just knew in my heart, I always knew it was either going to be Broadway. Hey girl, I was, I applied to like the North Carolina school of the arts. I was like, I want to do theater forever or I want to cook. And, and then, yeah. And then I chose, I, I chose, I chose to cook and it, I'm, I have no regrets. <laughs> so it's one of my, one of my favorite little, little moments there. That's nice. Cause like I said, it was always both sides. It was either like my mom making some just really, really aggressive grain centric bowl or going, or we had to, we, we did every hippie fad you can imagine. The apple cider vinegar. We've been doing that since I was five years old. Girl, That's ACV fixes the world. That and peanut oh, butter. I swear to God. To take a shot. Oh, peanut butter. Can't live without it. Shots <laughs> of apple cider vinegar, olive oil compresses, or just, you know, tons of like, my mom was doing stuff with tofu way before it. She was telling us we shouldn't be drinking milk years before people were drinking almond milk. Like we were old school hippies. So I loved that and I appreciated that. But yeah, like having that other part where seeing my my grandparents' reality, I was like, y'all are just pulling out a tablecloth every night. They're what? living their best life. It's amazing. They're living their best lives. <laughs> and so I think it's like the combination of the two, but I just love it. Cause isn't it special yeah. for us to cook for someone? 
Yeah. It's that idea. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah. No, go. No, you. No, you. (laughs) (laughs) I I just think that, um, well, now I lost my train of thought because I just got it so excited. You go ahead. I know, I did too. <laughs> we knew this was going to happen. <laughs> but do you want to know who ate better than Hayden during quarantine was nobody. No one. We had our proper cocktails every evening. There were canapes into multiple course meals. There was dessert. There was digestifs. Because uh, it... You I had me at canapes. <laughs> <laughs> there were canapes. <laughs> well, I guess I always feel that there's too much hustle for me to have been, you know, do the path that so many people find so much joy in and be like a professional housewife. However, it was nice. I did. I, that was, I mean, despite all of the terror and fear and some personal loss, um, it was, I, it was like my little moment to recreate that moment from my grandparents' life because I was like, oh no, hold on. Let me light this candle. <laughs> let's let's go all the way. Let's Turn off that. the lights. Light a candle. <laughs> Turn them off. <laughs> no, but I think that's that's wonderful that um that you got to and and I think it's I mean this is gonna sound really bad but like you found the blessing in the you know shit storm that we are in in the sense of like you got to connect with your husband and you got to cook for him and make each other feel good you know what I mean yeah food and gathering you know what I mean and it's like you got to experiment you got to do all the meals you bitch you did canapes I think that's wonderful <laughs> there was so much homemade pasta yes. you know I there was just there was a lot of cream-based products I was making a lot of ricotta uh, just just a plump quarantine glow you yeah. know just you, you gotta do it that belly Feeling right now Ooh. working on that bad boy right now oh working on my before body, you know, if you can't have it, you can't have an extreme photo without it. Um, (laughs) Working on my before body. And she's looking good. And she's she's almost there. Let's expand on how you got to um, fig, I should say, because that's where you've been for the past question mark six years six years six years so six years so when you moved to charleston you said you worked you know at johnson and wales you worked at pugan's porch you worked you had like nine jobs you had more jobs than steve harvey i had all the jobs when did you transition from like pastry to bartending i should say that's a fun story it's a fun story so um after i you know, worked at Pugin's Porch. I followed a boy to um, New York and having never visited, he was like, do you want to move to New York with me? He wanted to go to CIA and I wanted to work for a great chef. And so I left Charleston, packed a little suitcase, went to the big city of New York, moved into a, a sixth floor, the classic, like the sixth floor walk up with a little studio, mini fridge in the bathroom, hot plate. And I worked for Marcus Samuelson when he was at Aquavit. And that was the experience that changed my life big time. Like that's when, cause I didn't, I just knew culinary school and then like this, you know, kind of touristy, um, you know, Southern restaurant, but I knew that I had, I needed to, to get more experience. So, um, I worked for 
uh, Nils Norin was the chef de cuisine there because Marcus was very famous and, and, but I didn't know who he was back, back then you, there was no, you had, I had to look up, go to the library, pull up different, you know, websites from no restaurants. Right? There's no Google. You pull up websites, you print them yes! with the addresses and put them in a manila envelope. And then that's how I knew to go places. And theirs was the craziest dessert menu. It was like goat cheese and passion fruit and, you know, all of this craziness. So I went, I got hired. It changed my life. Um, talk about being in a kitchen that was immaculate and talk about the first day sort of standing there. And he fed me the 25 course bite menu. And I was like, he, I was just standing in a corner watching this beautiful kitchen, like crush. And then he kept handing me, the, it's like, it's like a $700 tasting menu. And I'm just weeping by the end of it, just crying into a five co baby and just, just, just a mess. Um, and I was like, please hire me. You can pay me nothing. And, and nothing he did, baby. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I loved that. It was life-changing. Great moment the decide to, to sadly move back to Charleston with said boy. Um, I got offered to stay longer, but you know, I was young, moved back. And then I became the pastry chef of a restaurant that no longer exists called Tristan. I was 22 years old and executive pastry chef worked my, just worked my ass off for three and a half years. Like, I mean, we're talking burn the candle, all the ends, and then I woke up one morning and I couldn't do it anymore. I, I, had, I had pushed myself too far. I was the only pastry chef. I had one assistant. And then I had a bread program. We were doing mini RDs, ice cream program, um, catering gigs. So I was just there from 7 a.m. till midnight every single day. And I got burnt out. I, I was smoking cigarettes. I was drinking vodka. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was ruining relationships. I was just a mess. And, um, so I sort of had like a little personal breakdown and then I ran away to Europe. I went to go work <laughs> at a chocolate. I, I talked to a chocolate purveyor who connected me to a chocolaterie in Brussels, Belgium. And then I scampered off to Belgium and I lived there for a while and, um, ran around and found myself. And then when I moved back, I switched to front of the house. So I, um, walk, I, I, well, that first of all, I didn't just move back. They wouldn't let me live there. I tried to get citizenship and they oh, were gosh. like, they were like, no, we're good. And I was nah. like, but you don't, I was like, but I'm, but they're like, wait, you're a woman and you can, you're doing all these things that anybody that lives here can do now. You can't, you can't come here and live your dreams. I got offered this job to work for this, to the, for this beautiful, amazing place called Vitamir and, uh, met the owner. They offered me this little apartment above the bakery that smelled like butter. And I thought that that was going to be my life, but it wasn't. The, the universe was like, gotcha. Um, but got it's all perfect. Got him. Gotcha, bitch. Um, <laughs> on you. But it all worked out in the end because after they kicked me out of the country, because on my expired visa, um, I came back and I started working in a place called the Glass Onion. I tried to get a job as a line cook. They asked me to be the front of the house manager. That's on them. I didn't know what I was doing. But I found out that I love 
people. I love human beings. I think what I was denying my soul when I was in pastry was humans. I was by myself a lot. And I found out that the joy that I hold for our, our industry, the artistry, I need to share vocally and physically with people. So two things happened is I found out my love of being, of sharing my love of cuisine and my education with that, with humans directly. And then I came back and I met my husband and he's just been hanging out being wonderful. And then we moved to Asheville and then we moved back and I snuck in the back door because Jason Stanhope and I were roommates back in the day. No did, way. Did, I had no idea. <laughs> okay. So no. right, we, we, I lived in the, I lived in Jason Stanhope's Harry Potter closet in his house. I moved back from Belgium with nothing but one suitcase and no money. And Jason and I had been friends for years. And I was like, he was like, we got a room if you want to stay in it. It was like barely fit a twin bed. And you kind of had to like shimmy to get anywhere. And so I stayed in his Hobbit closet and then we would drink white wine and talk about food theory all until 4am. So when Hayden and I moved back from Asheville, I walked into the back door and was like, Jason, can I have a job? And then I started really getting serious about bartending. So, so that's my story. Sorry, it was long. No, that was great. I was captivated. You're, you're so, you're so captivating. <laughs> but no, but, that, but isn't that what life is? I feel like life is a collection of, oh, I think, I think I'm going to live in New York for the rest of my life. Nope. I think I'm going to move off to Europe and live that. That'll be my new life. Nope. And even now um, I'm switching things up again. I put in my, I'm actually this, this next week will be my last week at Big. Oh, my heart. <laughs> I, everyone is, is, it was a shock to even me, but girl got it she's a loose cannon she's a rolling stone i gotta do i gotta do what my heart says so are you you staying in charleston we are gonna stay in charleston we are gonna stay in charleston um but i don't know let's just i needed a change yeah i mean girl you i'm the quick you yes (laughs) you're preaching to the converted okay (laughs) um um i've had (laughs) yes i understand completely and um i do love the three free spirited I mean, because, you know, I'm obsessed with you, but also just within that, oh, stop, Um, just with that story, it just, um, it just, like, confirms how, like, brave you are, and I want to say that on the record, just because not everybody just picks up and moves to New York, and then, and then moves to Belgium, and then (laughs) moves to, you know, Asheville, and then, you, you know what I mean, like, people don't move their whole ass lives just because they feel like it, Um, and I think, um, and, and people have called me brave and I'm like, no, I don't, you are brave girl bye. but, um, but I'm starting (laughs) to realize it too, that it's just like, not a lot of people have that gumption. Not a lot of people have that like tenacity Mm -hmm. and that like want, want for change and want for growth and want for experiment. You know what I mean? Like, um, it takes a lot of fucking guts to, to do some shit like that. So I, I commend you, hun. Especially you were so young too. I mean, shit. Like, I mean, that's what our 20s, quote unquote, 20s are for and bullshit. Um, but it's also like, it's also like, (laughs) well, no, because you. Hashtag reckless. I don't know what I was doing. I was looking back and I was like, 
But no, that's glorious because I mean, you know, it goes without saying that like it shaped you into who you are and you learned a lot from all of those experiments uh, or experiences, I should say. And um, there were some experiments in there, you know. I I ain't trying to tell you how to live your life. Um, No judgment here, honey. But I, I am saying that like those didn't define you. And you also use them as an opportunity to just like live your fucking life and to grow. And I just think that's amazing because a lot of people, I feel like need to take more risks like that with their, with their minds as well as their like lives, you know what I mean? And just like thinking outside the box and experimenting and just being like, you know what, this isn't necessarily what I want to do. Like just taking a moment to figure out and try to decide and to throw caution against the wind you know and maybe that yeah. might be a little naive you know it says the 26 no I don't think so um but at the same time no, it's like I don't know life's too short to be like all life's too shit. short because <laughs> the, it's always like the the best thing that could happen is you succeed the second best thing that could happen is that you fail but the worst possible thing that you can do is is nothing exactly you know thank you Teddy Roosevelt I'll just plausible okay Teddy but um okay <laughs> Teddy, I loved that. Um, but you know, it's in it. You, I don't know. I think that the, if I've learned anything in this life, it is that you don't have to be one thing. I thought for sure that my trajectory in life was to be the best possible pastry chef in the world that I could possibly, possibly be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that changed. And then I, you know, and then I was like, well, I'm going to be a, a really good bartender. But then in the meantime, I'm also going to do this nonprofit and sneak on TV. And then I'm going to try this podcasting. And then I'm going to, you know, I mean, now I want to read tarot cards. Like, but if you, but the thing is, is that you just, you, there's only so much time. So you might as well toss it around, you know? And if it fails, it fails. I've had so many so many things be like, well, I mean, even Hayden and I moved to Asheville, epic fail. We could not find jobs. It did not work out as planned, but we look back on it now and it was a really, really, really special time. Like we found jobs, but we also learned how to humble ourselves and be more poor and be very cold for a very long time. Um, but you couldn't afford heat or because Asheville is cold. <laughs> Asheville is the Portland of the east it's i did not know raining. that <laughs> it would that's how they get you you go there in october and you're like this place is magical and it is it is one of the most incredible cities in the world i love it very very much but but we wouldn't have known that if we hadn't thrown ourselves out of there and it also gets you out of your out of your thing like that's why i decided to leave fig just because no other reason like things weren't going bad things have been going great um, and I'm a very loyal person in my heart. So, so if I allow the loyal side of me to go unchecked, I will like, yeah, yeah I'll stay forever. But I know a part of me when I, I, I get the itch and I'm just like, I gotta just, I gotta shake it off. Gotta shake, shake the dust off, try something else. You know, it could yeah. be a great idea. It could be the worst idea ever. We don't know, but we gotta, we gotta go to get there. You and me are very similar in those ways. Um, I hate being complacent. Um, I don't, I don't mind being a bit, um, comfortable and like happy and understanding what, you know, like, like feeling content. Like I I have no problem with that, but I do not like the feeling of complacency of like, no, yeah, I guess, you know, I'm just doing it because, you know, I guess, you know, I, I, yeah, that shit makes me itch as well. That's, uh, yes, we are very similar in those ways that actually, um, answers my next question, which was, um, is there any advice you were given that has helped you 
like in the past or is there any advice yeah um that you wish was given and therefore could help you in the future and you kind of answered a little bit but if you want to expand on that that'd be great sure well the best advice i was ever given i didn't take from one of the most brilliant women in the world which is michelle weaver executive chef of charleston grill who has sort of been my idol for my entire career i mean she's a freaking hero and a champion uh, for women and for just chefs. As a chef, she is a fantastic, unbelievable human being. But for me personally, she was the first executive female chef that I had spent some time with and I loved her. And she told me, she told me when I was 18, she was like, I'm going to tell you a secret. And I was like, I love secrets. And she was like, do not stay where you are. She was like, whilst being young, you will be told that it is in your best interest to stay put. She's like, I greatly disagree. She, she was telling me, she was like, go spend six months here, six months there, six months here, six months there. She was like, you will have the rest of your life to marry a job. But, and I didn't, I ended up staying in a place for like two years and really trying to make, or three and a half years, actually trying to make it work. And she was like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. But I, but that's how I, so it was the best advice I ever got. I didn't take it, but I, but it did affect me later. So where I didn't change everything up six months at a time, I, I remember being in the dark place and I could hear her voice being like, go anywhere. You know, like, Cause you know, I feel like y'all's generation is a little different from mine because the culture has changed a bit. The culture was still really toxic when I was in it. It was work all day, party all night, um, come in and get railed and dishes thrown at you and get, you know, um, completely demoralized. And I was, and it did affect me, but, um, I'm so thankful that the culture is changing because there was a lot of things that I experienced that I wish I hadn't, but I like where we're moving forward. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, there's still, you know, we can still count the places that, Oh yeah um that are still throwing dishes and shit and then sometimes you know the places that are changing still throw dishes and shit but hey (laughs) but (laughs) this is like like you said it's kind of the first time I feel like in a in a hot minute where people are taking a step back and realizing that like um you can catch more flies with honey you know um and not necessarily coddling but like just like talking to people as like um with respect and like you know like honestly yeah assertion you know what I mean like that's what a concept you know because I don't respond well to motherfuckers (laughs) um yelling at me um I I hate that I I see a flash of red and then I'm like and it's like that scene in Kill Bell it's like well the thing is, it's just that I just don't like that. Well, we now have some self-worth and you, and I don't have, you don't have to speak to me like that. Nope. You certainly don't have, you don't even have to thank me. You don't have to like me. You don't have to compliment me, but you don't get to attack my character. Thank you. At all. You can attack, you can say, um, that plate does not look good and that's unacceptable. When we, exactly. And that is incorrect. We need to do it again, but you cannot call me stupid. No. You cannot. You cannot call me a name. You just can't. You don't have the right to disrespect me, especially because um, I've given you the respect. Oh, just yeah. because something was false doesn't mean that you have to belittle 
or uh, embarrass or take advantage of. And that's like a position of power. I don't know if it's your ego. Yeah. Or I don't know if it's the, the how small your dick is. Like, I don't care. Metaphorical yeah. or physical. I don't give a fuck. But you don't get to come at me in a way that's because I am showing you right now a line of respect. You yeah. need to come in vulnerability. Me. Exactly. Like that shit ain't cute, man. And like, I've gotten a lot of bullshit over the years where it's it's two sides it's like one it's like oh you're a girl so they're coddling you and they're nicer to you but that guy that shit either but that guy um uh, like that chef has like um that chef has done way worse to me than he ever will to you or two it's like they talk to me in a way that like I don't respond well to and what I've learned is that because a lot of boys are dumb right Right. Yeah, like we love them god damn it um but some of them Bless. are real dumb and especially real like dumb. and in my experience if somebody has told me something to do and then I mess up the first time like that's understandable we, we we're humans and then they tell me and, and then I mess up a second time they're gonna start to get frustrated because clearly like the message there's a, there's some sort of miscommunication I don't there's know if it's me or I don't know if it's them I don't know if it's the whole thing and if it's a third time Somebody's definitely going to get yelled at. Like, of course. But if you listen, I feel like, and the message comes across and you do it and you communicate with somebody that registers in a way that's like clear and concise and it happens and like you get it. Like, it's a long-winded way of saying, I usually understand what the person of power is usually saying to me when they're giving directions because I'm listening. A lot of the problems is because niggas ain't listening. (laughs) It's like... Yo, <laughs> like that's all you need to do, man. Like, if you fuck yes. up, all right, all right. I'm sorry, but like, the first step is listening. First and of all, own it. Thank you, thank yeah, you. Take responsibility. Stand in it. Shit, stand up for yourself and be like, you know what? That was my. I've, take responsibility was, too. You have to take responsibility, and it's always something that I've taken pride in. I was like, nobody is more wrong. Relationships, like I know if I've if I've messed it up, and I will go to him and be like, I messed that up bad you know I was like it's important to be the wrongest person when you're wrong the like denying it because there's a difference between being defensive and being incorrect you know like if you're incorrect be like I did that I did that I did that bad that was me at big every day being like chef I rang in that ticket backwards I'm gonna just throw that one away I'm gonna try that again my condolences on your loss of time I'll be back (laughs) My bad. Yeah. <laughs> but like, that's the first step. And I, I, I guess my point is like, I, I did well with a lot of like, um, like the chefs that I found as mentors or that I was working for one, because they respected and liked women. What a concept. Yeah. Um, what and, a concept. What a concept. And, and I've been very blessed. That's great. I've never really had to endure that whole, you know, Ugh. misogynistic, you know, it's bullshit um I mean I've anyway uh daily like daily exactly but I mean from like my bosses the people that hired me like for the most part yes but two it's because they would tell me something I would listen and then we would be on the same page like a lot of it was because they talked to me in a way that wasn't demeaning or disrespectful or hurtful and like I mean every every blue moon if everybody's if somebody's in a bad mood or whatever you know like things fall through the cracks but for the most part I I feel like I did well because I was listening and also because communicating to me um as if I were a person (laughs) and like you know and 
Yeah. Also, what a concept. But I think that relates back to that point of like, like it, it, it could be two sides. You know what I mean? Like you said, the culture is changing. Like sometimes if they just talk to everybody as if they were people, you know what I mean? And this is like regarding people of power. And this is also not regarding people of power. If everybody just like sure. in our industry, in our right. world, as if we were fucking humans and people that, you know, have flaws, but are also like capable of basic understanding, hopefully. Um, yeah. That we would all just get along. We could all just get along, but it's also a communication issue. And I also think it goes back to, um, one thing that I've always felt very passionate about, which is mental health within our, our industry. It's like, that is something that needs to be checked because it's the Valley of misfit toys because we've chosen this very odd lifestyle. Um, and I, it is a haven for people with unchecked and unsupported mental health issues. Um, which I think a lot of people are starting to make more of a focus on now. Um, but because if you think about it, somebody that's suffering from bipolar disorder, welcome to your perfect place to lose it at all times. You will bring them in with your kindness and grace, and then you will throw a sandwich in their face, which has happened to me. This is a trick. This, this has happened to me. Um, but you know, it's just one of those things. It's, um, I'm just happy. I'm, I'm happy that maybe even if like one person doesn't have to go through like what I went through in the early 2000s, you know, and the people before that and before that where it was either you had to be sexualized or you had to be, or you had to be like me, which was a little bit of both. It was like sexualized or you had to run so hard with the boys to get, to get in that. I mean, they were destroying their lives and I was destroying my life trying to to, to have them finally see me as an equal. And that was, that was, you know, not, not ideal. Um, I wouldn't change it, but that's my life. But it's like, but people, it's just now I'm looking back and I was like, man, people don't have to do that anymore. And, um, they shouldn't have to do that. Cause it's like, I mean, for me that I, I connect with that, but for me personally, a lot of it was because, um, like I did, it was my year of yes. Right. And that was my year of yes for a lot of things. Yeah. You actually taught me that. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) but it's just like, you know what, just say yes, Candice. And like, why not? Unless it's like absolutely detrimental to you. And like, you know what I mean? Maybe no to like crystal meth, but everything else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I didn't have any friends. I moved to Charleston, not knowing a soul. Maybe you kind of, because I met you for like four minutes and it was amazing. But for the most part, right. I didn't know a goddamn person. We fell in person. love. It was perfect. The closest person I knew was like my, my awning, Florida. Like, and like, you know, so what I'm saying is like, I said yes for a whole year because I was like, I need, I want to make friends. I want to connect with these people. I want the, I want these boys to know, cause it was all boys except for Caitlin Shoemaker, uh, McCorm- McCormick Shoemaker. I don't know which one she's, she's choosing. But- We're going to call her Caitlin goddess princess. Caitlin goddess princess. She's the yeah. head pastry chef at fig. Shout out to that queen. She is amazing. Ugh. Holy shit. Hero. That girl can. Hero. Woo. Anyway, um, she's dope. But besides her, because um, she was the pastry chef, but everybody else um, on the line were boys, um, except for me. Um, so I had to run with the boys, as you said. And I felt like I had to fit in with them. And I had to, but I also had to assert some sort of dominance because I was the youngest and I was the only person of right. color and I was the only woman. And it was like, Damn. right. 
Um, so it was like a weird line that I always had to tread, I felt like, but I right. also, I wanted them to want to include me. I wanted them to feel like, you know, like she's a part of the team and like we are, she's cool. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, damn, I didn't realize that like I was working so hard to feel like accepted from these folks that it's like at the end of the day, like sometimes like the decisions, like a lot of them would make a shit I'd, I wouldn't really agree with. Cause you know, I was like, y'all. I should have come in there and been like, I need you to accept me, but also, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You need to take I care mean, of you. What are you doing? I know. And I mean, thankfully, I am a strong enough person, of a course. strong enough woman, independent enough to like be okay by myself and make other friends with similar lifestyles and such like that. You know, I'm a, um, I like to talk at people and, um, <laughs> and make friends and all that, that jazz. So, um, I was okay, you know, and I still, I love all those. I love all those boys. Don't get me wrong. I got so much love for them. But at the same time, I did feel that strange dichotomy of like wanting to fit in and feel accepted, but also like trying not to sacrifice a lot of my values and try to give them pieces of me that were important. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I, I feel that with you. I'm glad that I figured it out. Um, yeah. the sooner the better <laughs> and yeah. like realize like you know what y'all I'm pretty great I, I like you said self-worth is like I, I love me and I'm dope I and me. I do dope shit and you know what if y'all want to be friends with me that's cool but if not like that's all right but like regardless like we just have to work together and want to work together in this kitchen and thankfully everybody right. pretty much loved me I mean I don't know anybody that like uh, and if yeah. they did I mean, I wouldn't know about I it. I also don't cool. care. But and also, yeah, that you. too. You know, exactly. It's like, <laughs> you know, I've come to this realization where I was like, you know, I don't give a fuck what y'all think of me anymore. Because- it's my favorite realization. You just wait. Your, as soon as you get to your 30s, it really settles in. And oh, it feels great. Yeah. Because you're just so sort of like, yeah, because I, well, I, I, I am a, a natural yes person because I like that. I, I love I love human beings. I, I like to be liked back, but I, but something happened to where having people like me mattered less than like being an authentic version of myself. And yeah. And then that feels good because that's where we're all going to get to anyway. And because it is, it's this beautiful line and things are constantly changing and everything's in flux. But as long as we're just packing in the most beautiful life that we can have in this very short period and just riding out our choices, because let me tell you, who knows if the industry is even going to recover? That's cool. We got decrees in restaurants. (laughs) So um, I was like, I guess we'll just figure it out. Uh, But that's that's the most fun part is that just the figuring it out ends up being the best part. <laughs> Tell me about your best and worst days at work. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, that always kills okay. everybody. They always like roll their eyes or they like take a really deep breath. <laughs> Is it current jobs or ever? Ever. Ever. Okay. Something um, that like changed you because, <laughs> you know. Because we are constantly in flux and changing. So let's do bad news first. Um, I would say my worst day was my first time cooking at the James Beard house. 
I, yeah. Uh, turns out, turns out when you have a 22 year old pastry chef and you bring her to New York to cook. So I was a pastry chef of Tristan. I just started. I'd also just left New York. So thought I was hot shit. And then we're going back to cook at the James Beard house, which is like winning the Oscars. It's a really, really humongous honor. A really big honor. Nikki, 22 year old Nikki. So I made the greatest choice of going out with um, my sous chef and we hit New York hard. New York in turn hit us in the face. In turn, I hit my face on a hotel mirror, broke the mirror and gave myself a black eye um, because I made the decision to get totally trash can hammered and spent the entire day at the James Beard house cooking for my heroes, throwing up intermittently in James Beard's bathroom that is covered in mirrors. So there's nowhere to get away from yourself. Um, that was my worst day. There's a, even a picture of me and I turned to the side so you can't see my black eye and I'm smiling with our team that I am failing. <laughs> like I'm just, the dessert went out. It was beautiful. It was a cinnamon and beet cheesecake. It had a blueberry kaflutti and then there was a gelée and it all came out. But that was the worst day because it's the very first time that I had let myself down. Mega. Um, so that was the worst day ever. That's a good Best story. day. I know. Right. Like, <laughs> well, I, I figured if I'm going to talk to you, on Hungry and Humble, I'm going to be very vulnerable. And I think I've only told one other person that story. Um, so now you're telling at least 70 people. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? I think it's positive. I think people need to hear it. I think people yeah. need to know. And sometimes you try to hide your misgivings. I'm certainly not an alcoholic. I just certainly was a very dumb, dumb <laughs> You were 20 child. something. 20 questions. I was 22. Yeah. And like I said, was a heinous mess. Um, but an awesome heinous mess. But just, yes. you know, there was a lot of... Um, it's just, there's, there's a certain level of sometimes our, our, you know, sparkly nymph like freedom, but sometimes it just goes wrong. And, um, yeah, so it went wrong that night, but the best part is that, but we came out of it. And so I think maybe my best restaurant experience, um, gosh, there's been, I had so many special moments, but working maybe, you know what, maybe it can't be cut down into one, but for a front of the house person, when you have the miracle table, the table that you are, you are the conduit from like the chef's majesty and the manager's wine choices to a human being. And you witness them transforming and truly finding excitement and joy and contentment and you know, like, like that euphoric moment when you're looking at the person you're with and you're elevated and you've left this earth for a little while. Um, those days, those days when you have that connect and everything that everyone has done comes together to just make sure that this one human has, is comforted and wants for nothing and feels impenetrable joy. Those are the best days. 
Mm. And I've had, I've had a multitude of those, which always remind me why we do what we do. And that is to spread joy. That's really nice. No, I mean, (laughs) it's just like, um, it's beautiful and refreshing to hear because a lot of the beauty and um, appreciation for the craft gets lost because it's such a high stress and high volume and, you know, little pay and so much physical work on your mental and, um, you know, or sorry, it's so much stress on your physical and mental health that like it's it's sometimes hard to like come out of the woodwork up uh, out of it you know what I mean and um hearing things like that is just really um really beautiful to like know that other people experience it too and it all it just makes it so worth it like you could have 10 days in a row that were just fucking beating you to the barrel like slammed railed like fuck why am I here why am I doing this and then you just get like that one beautiful moment of clarity and like and and elevation like you said and and then Mm -hmm. it just like it literally goes away (laughs) not forever but it numbs you and it and, and you're like damn that is a beautiful fucking reminder of why we do this is to like you said see the joy feel the joy you know what I mean and it's like damn you know what it's like it's like then you say I love my job (laughs) and not not ironically (laughs) exactly no you're like yeah you're not I love this job I love my job you're like I love my job I love I love that I just shared this moment you know this like special moment because because you've had those moments in restaurants I've had moments where I like I said was just like moved just moved to tears yeah. Repeated multiple tears, just being like, what is happening? When people are <laughs> so like, I don't grateful for what you have done and oh, give that. Yes. And, and that's why we do it. You know what I mean? Like to share these experiences and to create these experiences and put them in a space that they can feel just absolute fucking content and joy, you know, like, yeah. like that. Cause I have tasted something that is moved me like I have um a good friend of mine I call her MC Hammer her name is Michelle Chen she's glorious she'll be on um the the show uh, later on but um I was an intern at Gracie's um in Providence Rhode Island and she is an amazing glorious one of the best pastry chefs I will probably ever know she's brilliant um and long story hopefully uh short but she um I was like bottom of the barrel. Like I had to have like 15 projects due in like 15 minutes um, because I was an intern and they were trying to push me and see how much, (laughs) see how much work I can do for free. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. They tried to break me, but God damn it. I love you, Matthew Varga. Thank you for giving me my shot. I appreciate it, but damn, I almost died. And (laughs) um, um, the, the pastry kitchen is downstairs because it's a new England kitchen. And um, I run down the stairs and, I look defeated, um, apparently from, um, Michelle and she, from her perspective, I look like a ghost. I look white as fuck. And she was like, Hannah's here, just eat this. And she put it and she took it. I I took it and I just popped it in my mouth and it was this chocolate apple cake. And, and I literally stopped and I looked at her and I said, this is some of the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. And she's like, oh, Candace, like, stop exaggerating. I was like, Michelle, no. this is 
so fucking good. I looked her dead in her eye. This is so fucking good. I would eat this out of the trash. And she was like, well, damn. And I was like, this is, this is trash cake. This is, holy fucking this is- shit. My world moved. <laughs> And you were like, I love that. So now she, um, now she calls it the trash cake. She has elevated the trash cake and other recipes, and she calls it. She coins it the trash cake. She doesn't tell people like it's trash cake, but she tells people that story. And I tell other people that story because it's like, I have three things, and like, like I make a list, and any time like something has moved me, it has like put something into my bones that is that has changed my vision, my perspective, my like. It's like you're in the the Wizard of Oz. Oh. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like black yeah. and white and then you eat it and then, and then it's all color. And then color happens. <laughs> and, and, and then, like, what was my world before this? <laughs> yeah. Or, or you're immediately like, I don't remember taking ecstasy. How did I get here? I don't remember doing that. I don't remember being But yet I again. feel like I'm Look. rolling so hard on luxury right now. Holy or, shit. <laughs> yeah. Or just the soup dumplings at Joe's Shanghai. Even that, I was like, what is my life? That's Where, what I'm saying. How, how did I live before now? Yeah. Was Who was I then? I don't know. Because I'm it's, changed. And it's like, I, I am changed. And it's like, these are just humans, yo. There are people like just you and me creating fucking life-changing memories and thoughts and feelings. And it's just like, that's why we do what we do, yo. That shit's bomb. <laughs> I just it love is. it. <laughs> I do too. I do too. It's my favorite. Still is. Well, it's because it's a nurturing, it's a nurturing energy that you have to bring or that you you're born with or that you possess or that you can learn, but you wouldn't put yourself through this nonsense if you didn't have a need to express yourself through care of others. Like that's pretty special. That's really great. I love that nurturing energy. I love that concept. I love that. Um, I think we only have time for like one more question just because it's running a little long, um, but I don't want to stop. Um, whatever you want. I, um, well, this is, um, this is something I ask everybody. Um, and it is donut, bagel, or Danish. You must. Bagel. Done. (laughs) Bagel. All day. I love bagels so much. (laughs) I just. There's like very few words to describe it. Now listen, a Danish is a beauty. A donut is a delight, but a bagel will never leave you or forsake you. I've never ate a bagel and was like, that was a shitty bagel. Really? Like, I oh, do that all the time. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, well I think California. It's, it's, oh, well, I mean, I mean, but I'm a Charleston, but no, even, even a shitty, shitty bagel still gets the job done for me. Mm. When I'm hungover, I want a bagel. When I'm not hungover and feeling totally happy in my life, I want a bagel. And I want, I want it, in, and I can go either or. I've got a friend that gets an everything bagel with strawberry cream cheese, and I, I get the salty sweet, but that freaks me out. I don't love that. Shout out to Sophie Southworth. That shit is weird. I love you. It's weird. Um, I e- either need to go full-on savory, sesame, schmear, salmon, capers, red onion, little tomato. You know, yeah, I was like seventeen my, ingredients. <laughs> I know, I love it. Oh, just a God, little, just a proper salmon bagel makes me very happy. Um, but or I love, I love a cinnamon raisin bagel. You know, I love a blueberry bagel. I love a plain bagel. I love cream cheese. Maybe this has something to do with cream cheese. 
but not I, always. <laughs> not always. Bagel. Bagel. <laughs> that was the easiest question of the day. I was felt really prepared for that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. What's your choice? Oh, girl, donuts every night. Hell yeah, girl. Um, I'm gonna say it, and I say it every single every single show. Donuts for life, yo. Like you could you life. could you could probably hit me with your car and then show up with a box of donuts, and I will forgive you. I, mm-hmm. I like, like you warm Krispy Kreme style, dude. It do not matter. Like you said, like it's shitty or not, like shitty to, zero to a hundred, it don't matter. I like the shitty. Yeah, I love that. I, I but I love the gourmet, like, you know, been, um, yeast, um, fucking brioche, goddamn, you know, elegant has gold leaves and shit pissing all over it. I don't care. Anything that is that, oh, I love Ooh. donuts. They are, I love that. They are the things that complete me. They are the things that make me feel good when I'm sad, feel good when I'm happy, feel good in between. Um, I feel you. I fuck with donuts so hard. So I do too. So hard. My so hard. I was obsessed with donuts in, um, in, uh, well, since the dawn of time, because my mother fed this, um, well, she um, cares influence. about me. Well, it's because, um, I've said this before, but like she, we would go to church every Sunday and before or after service, we would pick up a box of donuts. Um, and then I just got so used to them. And we associated Jesus with donuts. That's the best association that I've ever heard of. <laughs> Love that. This is fact. Um, I, I am, uh, my mama is religious. My daddy is religious. And I guess in a way that I am too, ma'am. Um, <laughs> I do declare. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the donuts have, have brought me closer to God. That is for sure. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but me and him, we cool. Um, anyway. We're tight. <laughs> we tight. We're tight, like tight, tight, tight. Je- jelly-filled Christianity. Tight. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> but my 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 favorite growing up was the maple bar, which was like that long with um mm-hmm. the, with the that long brown, rectangle with the brown with sugar the beige. maple. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, love that. And I would talk about donuts so much that my um one of my best friends, um, Amelia, she uh um <laughs> She made me a cake for my 16th birthday. Um, she made me a almost a 10 foot long maple bar cake. Um, that that feels on, like love. It had to fit that on two like cardboards love. and she baked this cake. It was, it looked like she just put four sheet cakes together, but she like homemade this shit, her and her mama. It was crazy. And she was like, <laughs> and she didn't even warn nobody neither. My mama was pissed. Oh, she just called me. She's like, girl, I'm outside your house. And I was like, girl, why are you outside of my house? Why don't you come inside of my house? And then I look outside and it's her, her brother, her mom carrying this giant log. She's like, happy birthday. It's a maple bar. And she made me a maple bar cake for my birthday. And it barely fit on my living room table. My mom was like, why are these white people bringing you this big ass <laughs> but she's like that's nice you have good friends and I was like I know and I cried and I could not even eat it all she's like but just it was for my sweet 16 because I was having a big party at my house so I could I share love that but I did not want to share with people it was fucking awesome it tasted so good I was very surprised um love. only because she doesn't bake a lot but oh my god the maple frosting tits dude it was so good so shout out to yeah. amelia i love you girl i remember that shit shout it was dope. Out. oh that is thoughtfulness well that is love that's a love language i know love language 
mm-hmm. bringing bringing a ten foot long sheet cake that looked like a maple bar. My mom was so mad. <laughs> I just would have been like, "What? What are we? Where are we gonna? How? This won't fit in the fridge, babe." That's I could I could just see my mom being like, "Um, thank you." <laughs> That's exactly what happened. My mom was hella confused because she was like, did you know this was happening? I was like, no, mommy, this is a surprise. Thank you so much. I was a kid. I was 16. My mom was like, where the fuck is this shit going to put in my house? She's like, and I already got a cake. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish I you am- told somebody. Shit, I wouldn't have spent all this money on a damn cake. No, but she got over it real quick and realized it was very thoughtful that she handmade the cake and you know, um, that a 16 year old thought about this and it was very kind. Um, so shout out to both of them. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Brings me joy. Not a lot of people know about that. Actually. That's so funny. Look at us being all open and very open, very open and honest. Yeah. Cause you got to, you got to, you got to get it out there. I love you. Tell the, tell the story only you can tell of being a trash bag. Right. Crash bag or not, uh, just like it says on my phone's home screen, I forgive myself. Oh, <laughs> It'll I be fine. That. that is a very like, good right? and realistic positive affirmation. <laughs> my favorites. It's like, I forgive myself. You just got to let that shit go. Because if not, it'll eat you up. But if you just settle into the fact that you are a full on trash raccoon in your 20s, I forgive myself. I feel I feel great. I'm sleeping great at night. You know, so, nice and toasty. Dreaming. There you go. Dreaming. It didn't ruin my life. My Anybody life? out there thought you ruined your life? You didn't. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> it's my favorite. It'll be fine. You're so funny. Um, You're I guess so we're, funny. <laughs> we're I guess we're wrapping it up here, even though I don't want to. But I, I'm trying to limit my my recordings to like an hour. That ain't gonna happen today. But oh, we uh, blew that. This is so much. This is like the most fun I've had in a really fucking long time. So I appreciate. Yes, it. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, um, I guess I'm just yeah. We're wrapping it up here. If there's anything wrap it up. that you wanted to, I always give the floor to people if they want to say something about themselves or express um, any like last thoughts about the industry or about yourself or about growing or not growing or whatever you want to say the floor is yours if not don't even worry about it I just give yeah no I just think that in this day and age with everything that's going on I think that we do we'll go back to what I said just a second ago was forgive yourself be gentle with yourself and, um, you know, lots of deep breathing and taking care of your mental health to the best of your ability during these very, very difficult times. Because eventually we will come out of this, there will be a vaccine and, and things may not ever be the way they were, but they are going to be something different and we are going to need every single one of you. So breathing, gentle, you are loved. We're okay. This is fine. <laughs> my daily mantra. Well, I want to add that, um, that you are one of my favorite people and you're so inspiring and wonderful. And I've been in love with you for a very long time. Um, you know this, um, <laughs> but I just want to, I will always love you, um, because you are a shining beam of light to anybody that I um, that I know or don't know, um, obviously, but it's also, you're one of those people that like, I, you're so goddamn beautiful and amazing, but also 
and glorious and really kind and gracious and generous and all <laughs> of the things. Um, and you're also just one of the most genuine and like authentic people I've ever known. And I just want you to know that like you have changed people's lives for the better. Um, truly just, just from your wisdom and your kindness and your, your gentle like thoughts of others, you know what I mean? Like, and you have such a beautiful, beautiful impact on people and you don't even know it, or maybe you do. And I hope you do. Um, but keep being great and wonderful because, um, the world definitely needs people like you (laughs) to shine a light on, on the rest of us truly. Um, so I just love you so much, honey. Thank you. So I much. love you too. Thank you for, for, for letting me on this beautiful journey that you're on. And thank you for using your platform for goodness and spreading light. And I'm so proud of you and inspired by you. And I love you and miss you. And I'm sending you all the energies and crystal powers and all the weird <laughs> juju that way. This is me signing off. Uh, thanks again for coming out and listening to this week's episode. Uh, please follow my social media at Hungry Humble Pod on Twitter and Instagram for future episodes and notifications. You can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts or send feedback to HungryHumblePod at gmail.com if you're really feeling up for it. Um, all of this information will be down below in the description box. Per usual, y'all know what time it is. Um, This is the time where I dedicate a song um, each week to the the special guests that I usually have on the show. This week, I chose Rhiannon by Fleetwood Mac. I'm dedicating it to Nikki for a number of reasons. Um, It's actually um, based on the mythology of the the Celtic goddess named Rhiannon, who apparently represented fertility, rebirth, wisdom, magic, transformation, beauty, and artistic inspiration. And those are all things that I associate with Nikki as well. (laughs) Um, Another reason is Stevie Nicks is dope and a phenomenal artist and musician, and they are similar in many ways that they're both ambitious, talented, influential, and celestial goddesses. (laughs) Um, Whenever I hear this song, I, I think of transformation and enamoring someone with their spirit, which is the depth and meaning behind the song. So, um, I think of Nikki and how anytime anyone is around her or she's around anybody, they, they are captivated with her energy and beauty and grace. So she's a queen, a celestial goddess. This is Rhiannon by Fleetwood Mac. Take it away, Stevie. (laughs) Thank you.